Hello, hello, and welcome back to another installment of MSP Success Spotlight. I'm your host and moderator, Ryan Ruff, and we've got a great guest lined up for you today. Coming all the way from Indianapolis, Indiana, it's Mr. Robert Cantor, the owner as well as a software and network engineer over at ITI Smart Solutions. Great company out of Indianapolis, Indiana. They work through a lot of different clients, a lot of different kind of solutions for their businesses. Big emphasis from these guys on streamlining operations, working through the automation system, We're going to get into some of the nuts and bolts of that. But as you know, on this show, each time we sit down with, you know, you know, managed service providers to really get into the weeds of what made them, you know, a successful business in the first place. And then also we love to talk about those differentiating factors, really what it is, you know, that, that allows them to separate themselves from the pack. So got a great conversation on tap for you today with Robert. So let's go ahead and get right into it by bringing Robert aboard. Robert, how are you doing today? Good to see you. Doing great. Great to see you. Well, hey, Robert, I, I'm, I really want to dive into ITI Smart Solutions kind of head first. So I think a great spot for us to probably start our conversation today would be, would you mind, take me back to the beginning. You know, where did you kind of fall in love with this space? You know, really know that you not only want to, but you can, you know, you have the tools to make a difference in this realm. And then what really led you to, you know, creating ITI solution, you know, smart systems or excuse me, ITI smart solutions and, and making a, leaving a pretty big footprint in this space. Give me that origin story, if you will. Sure. Well, it, it started pretty young. My, my parents, we started with a computer and as most kids do, they, they start by playing games and I did the same thing, but uh, quickly became bored with those games. And uh, tried to figure out ways to mod them and make changes to them, and that got boring. And so I moved on to working on the computers themselves and fixing them, and I got into the hardware. And that slowly grew up until my early teenage years. And then from that point, I started actually uh, making money as a side job, uh, working on computers for family, for friends, for friends of my father, for guys that he worked with. Uh, I worked on anybody's computer who, who uh, needed assistance at the time. Back then, computer repair shops were, you know, we didn't we didn't have them like we do today. So you typically hired the, the neighbor guy that knew uh, or the neighbor kid that knew computers well. And so that's how I actually got the start. Uh, and it slowly grew from there. Uh, I went from supporting consumers to I got my first uh, my first business client when I was 14. And they needed assistance with not only their computers, but needed assistance with a database. And that that kind of, you know, grew and grew. Um, I worked for Radio Shack, if I'm dating myself a little bit, uh, <laughs> but I worked for Radio Shack for five years. And uh, from there, I got a lot of clients who needed help with their computers, sold a lot of computers, assisted them with their setups, assisted them with repairs, um, and got a lot of business that way from other businesses. And it, once again, just slowly grew. I, I worked for a company called Rent-A-Computer. I'll give you three guesses what they do. Um, but that's <laughs> that was where I really got my first uh uh, job as a computer repair person because that was the uh, beginning to end. It was about prepping computers and delivering them and installing them and setting them up and tearing them down and bringing them back to the office and all that. Mm-hmm. Um, that was all before the beginning of ITI. Sure. When I was uh, when I graduated college, I actually got a call in September of 1999 from a company and they mm-hmm. needed a Y2K remediation. So they needed a software to replace their existing software. And the reason that they were they found me on Monster.com found my resume there and called me in. And then pretty much the reason that they called me is because everybody else had told them that it couldn't be done in three months. <laughs> and so we came up with a plan of action. We triaged the the things that absolutely had to, the things that we could retrofit to make work temporarily until we found the permanent solution. And we did get to a fully replaced software solution 
went live on December 27th, 1999, uh, just four days before the cutoff, and wow. it was live. And we spent the next uh, about year um, changing those retrofits to permanent fixes, um, replacing those components that we didn't replace right up front, but still needed to, um, that we kind of patched and got it to work and limped along. Um, and then from there, we also added things. So they used to develop these, uh, they used to develop their, their call list. It was a telemarketing company and they used to develop their call list, very manual process. And we created a very automated system that dumped all of their data into a single repository and kicked out their call lists um, and duplicate checked them and did all of that. And um, they went from a operation that ran on, I believe uh, it was uh, seven computers. There were six operator computers and a printer computer. And they went from that and three operators, they went down to a, a single computer for our, operations and a single computer for printing and one operator. So the process actually reduced down from uh, 7 a.m. in the morning till 5 p.m. when it was done. So after the mailing deadline to they were folding, stuffing and stamping by about 11 o'clock in the morning. So Man. we shortened their mailing cycle even in that process. So it was a it's a fantastic opportunity. It was a fantastic job. It was very enjoyable to do. So that was yeah. how I got started. We kind of went from there from picking up customers that needed computer repair and mm -hmm. they needed online backup and then they needed email services. And we slowly bolted on new services as our customers needed them because they were having a problem with the solution they currently had and we needed to be there with a the solution. And that's we, we finally entered the full MSP realm mm -hmm. uh, eventually uh, with the software development, uh, voice over IP phones, custom web development and software integrations. Um, all throughout over the course of 22 years. So, wow. So, so, I mean, talk about a well-versed background. I mean, ever just from the foundational computers all the way through, honestly, technology, you know, or technologies, massive advances that we've seen in the last oh, you know, yeah. 30, 20, 30 years here, you know, it really is, you know, fantastic to see that level of just deep rooted, not only, uh, you know, passion, but also interest in this space as a whole. So what was it like for you then really kind of after working for a few different companies in this technology space, uh, you know, really doing some of the grassroots kind of work here, what was it like for you to then kind of shift, put on a new hat, the business owner hat, and really take take it by the horns and, and move forward as into, you know, really building your own business? What was that like for you personally? Uh, it was it was a tough one because I, I am a technician and I'm a developer at heart. I am not a business owner, but I, I decided to do it on my own and do it my own way uh, just because I did not want to be told how to properly. I mean, I, I saw, you know, my customers and the problems that they were encountering with their current IT providers. And that that was a that was an eye opener for me because I saw the way that I didn't want to run my company. And so I didn't want to go work for somebody who might force me to perform that way, to, to provide those level of standards. I wanted to be able to define my own standards. And I wanted to make sure that we implemented that level of quality um, mm -hmm. and double check and follow up. And, and the things that I saw my customers having issues with, with their other providers, I wanted to implement that same level uh, of quality that they needed. So. Sure, absolutely, and and a big theme of our show here, Robert, is to always just identify those differentiating factors from all of our managed mm -hmm. service providers that we bring on to the show here, and and that right there is rooted in ITI Smart Solutions. Is that you you wanted to separate yourself from the pack, you wanted to do the right thing for your your customers and your clients, and I want to get into customers and clients. Let's talk about that right sure. now. You know, tell me about some of the you know 
implemented software uh, that you guys have gone in and worked with clients on to ultimately streamline operations? Because that's a big focus on what you guys do is is just making business owners' lives a little easier by streamlining some of those operations. So t- talk me through what this process looks like for you guys. A lot of times it starts, it depends on what we're, we're usually already their IT provider. So it begins with uh, us or us talking to their employees to identify a potential streamline that we can do for them or an integration that we can do that can stop some duplicate data entry or can stop some extra steps. And that's usually where the conversation starts is with our current IT customers that are, that are for our MSP customers. And they're just needing something to better improve their operations to uh, streamline what they're doing. And a lot of times it starts a lot of time with the employee, the actual person doing the work. And we'll talk to them while they're doing it. Uh, one of my one of my teammates will find a process that they say, hey, Robert, I think we could streamline this. I think they're doing these steps. They're copying and they're pasting and they're moving these documents and they're doing all these steps. I think we could find something. And we talk through it with the employee. And then from there, we typically will move it up the line to the, the operations folks or the owner. Uh, to kind of present this idea to them and to show them not only that it can streamline operations, but it can save them money, reduce errors, improve their customer facing communication, whatever the process is. So that's where it typically starts. If it's a mm-hmm. brand new customer, um, I always like to start small. And I know everybody wants to come in and they want to jump in and they want to get that big old contract. And they sure. want to sell the big, big software development project. Mm-hmm. Don't get me wrong. Love those projects. I absolutely love those projects. But it's very difficult for me as a developer to develop a solution for you if I don't truly know what you do. I don't know the details. And it's also difficult when you jump into these big software development projects um, with companies to be able to uh, articulate what you want in your software. So it's good to have a small project where they can sh- you can demonstrate to them this is the process. It really gets them comfortable with your approach. They know how to update the software. They know how to you know get uh, how to report errors if they have any. They know how to provide feedback as far as this is how I want it done. And I know how to communicate with them. It also gives me an, an, a, a uh, portal into their operations. I can see what they do. I can be in a position to better make suggestions than as a complete outsider looking in, trying to come in and change everything up without truly knowing how they do it. So I always, with with large, large scale projects, it's always good to start small because it gives them the flavor for how to develop software. Most of them have never done it. And it also gives me a, a, a portal into how they do business. So I'm in a better position to make suggestions for them. Oh, I, I love that, Robert. There's a lot of valuable insights to take away from that because you actually beat me to the punch. That was going to be my next question was just kind of walking me through what that new client interaction and experience looks like for me, because that's such a pivotal part of any relationship that you're going to establish with a new client and, and getting it to the heart of what they need, understanding their business. That's such a vital part of this whole process. So I'm so glad to hear that that's what you guys are doing. And, and it's so, you know, deeply baked into how your company, you know, operates really as a whole. But one of the other big, you know, conversation points that I know that you guys focus on over at ITI Smart Solutions uh, is is this idea is the idea of automation, and we're seeing automation come into play so much here in the you know in the last 10, 20 years. Really, walk me through your work in automation and and why it is that you guys have a heavy focus on automation specifically. We have a the, the automation part of it is uh, tied to the integration, and so many companies mm-hmm. have one, two, three softwares, and they may have accounting, they may have operations, they may have scheduling, they may have a separate one that handles their invoicing, they may have a separate one that handles their payables. But 
very rarely do they have a single operational software that runs absolutely everything. And that comes to be a problem because exchanging data between them becomes tricky. Um, you know, we have accounting softwares that do their integrations. And a lot of times, you know, you'll have an operations or a ticketing system that says, you know, we can integrate with QuickBooks, but the integration doesn't take into account the differentiations between different companies. You know, the company that we're working with may not want to import their data into QuickBooks the way your ticketing system is doing it or the way your mm -hmm. scheduling system is doing it or, or what have you. So when you have a custom integration, you don't have to worry about it. The customer backs off and they say, well, I'll just do this manually. I'm not going to use your integration. I'm just going to manually type. And that's what they do. So with our integrations, we the customer defines for us not just what they need, but how they want it to appear in the accounting software, for example, or how do they want accounting data to appear in their customer, their CRM, you know, if they want sales data to appear. And they define that. They don't get it defined for them. So that is a big, big uh, missing piece for a lot of companies. And that's why we focus on that automation, because too often they punt, they back off and they say, I'm just not going to use the integration that comes with it because it doesn't. It doesn't do it the way I do business. And that's a big problem. Then instead of uh, structuring your business uh, around your, you're structuring your business around your software instead of structuring your software around the way you do business. And that is a major problem um, when you're telling, having a software company or an accounting program company tell you how to do your business best. So that's why we sure. like to do that custom automation. Yeah, I love that. And the boy, is that a, it's so important. And it does really go hand in hand with just your ongoing efforts to streamline operations as a whole. Boy, can automation be a quick way to go about doing so. Yes. Um, well, let me let's dive into just kind of the industries in which you serve. Do you work on a particular industry of, of business? Like walk me through some of uh, you know what your clients look like. Sure. Um, we actually get that asked a lot and we really don't have a specified vertical that we operate in. Um, and we find that to be an advantage more than a detriment. And the reason that is, is if we were to, I'll give a good example, if we were to work within uh, dentists or lawyers, and that's that was our specialty, then the only thing that we would really know is how other lawyers did it, how other dentists did their business. But I have found very often uh, in my in my work that I am able to use tips, tricks, methodologies that even like an electroplating firm might use in a service industry or a, a lawyer might use uh, in a dentist office. So you find different methodologies that think outside the box. You don't just take what the industry does simply because that's the way every other lawyer or every other dentist or every other electroplater is doing it. You're, you're taking bits and pieces of what works for you instead of just what everybody else is doing. And so that's why we like to work with, and our, our customer base is that diverse. We have electroplaters, we have lawyers, we have doctors and dentists. Um, we have the companies that make the little orange triangles on the back of tractors. So <laughs> it, it, the people that paint the stripes on your parking lot, uh, it, it is a very diverse group of customers. And from that, we glean how different people do business and, and, what works for one attorney may not work for another attorney. What works for one dentist may not work, sure. but we can pull information from other industries and how they do business to help. Mm -hmm. And Robert, so. that ties back into what you had said at the very beginning in that when you do go on board and bring a client on board and have those initial conversations, it's very heavily focused on getting into the weeds of what their business looks like and who they serve and, and checking all those boxes because 
you are serving such a wide variety of clients yourself. So that's that's another really big key takeaway uh, for our audience today is get to the heart of your client's goals and it will allow you to serve a wider range of clients overall. Um, now, I know, as we mentioned also at the top of the show, uh, you guys are based in Indianapolis, Indiana, but mm -hmm. walk me through uh, geographically who it is that you serve. Do you specifically serve the just the Indianapolis area, just the state, the country? You know, what are the, where are the types of clients that you guys serve? We, we serve the Indianapolis area is where we started, but mm -hmm. over 20 years, we've had customers open plants in all over the Midwest, as far away as California, India, and China. And so we're, we've opened plants in those areas. So we are not, uh, we, we serve heavily in the Indianapolis area just because this is where we live. And we have uh, folks around us that passed our name around. We have a good name in the Indianapolis uh, area, mm -hmm. but we are not. Uh, solely dedicated. We do about 80, 85% of our work remotely. So we can serve a lot of clientele. And because we offer a wide range of services, um, including, you know, web hosting and email and, and voice over IP, we don't necessarily need to be physically on site to do a lot of those things. So we can offer services um, on a, on a one-off basis to customers anywhere in the world. I love that. Um, you know, it doesn't box you in, but also at the same time, you do have roots there in your local community that, that obviously it helped you build the business to the successful entity that it is today. Uh, now my kind of my final question, and this might be a little bit of a loaded one for you is I'd love to kind of have you walk us through that, this process of, of what you had mentioned earlier in terms of creating custom software applications or, or custom software integrations into a given client systems. Walk me through what that process might look like for a client, um, maybe even a new client that you just bring on board and, and you know, just what it feels like from the client experience. Okay. Well, I will tell you that there should be the expectation of a tremendous number of questions. Um, that is how I learn is I ask questions and I typically will dive deep and you'll hear me uh, give scenarios. Okay, well, what about if this, this, and this occur? And, you know, usually you'll get an answer, oh, that never occur. And, you know, we move on from there. But a tremendous number of questions are needed to be answered in order for us to even begin the process. Because the first thing you have to do is define what you're wanting to achieve. And you have to back away from that. Okay, what is it that your current process is not doing? What do you need it to do? Um, and from that, you back it up and say, okay, great. Now, what are we doing in our current process? And what? how could we make our current, maybe change our current process ever so slightly, maybe not do a full integration to achieve the same goal. So we, before we try to sell the software, we try to sell the solution. And sometimes we get to the point to where the solution is actually just a very minor behavioral modification. Instead of entering data, this, this, and this, they enter it, that, that, and that, and they get the same result or get really close to the same result. And the cost is negligible compared to a full software integration. So that's where questions come in because the last thing I want to do is sell somebody something very, very expensive that gets them just a little bit closer to what they want. I want to sell them a solution that gets them completely what they need beginning to end. Um, and we do that using our business intelligence platform, which is uh, something that we have built and have implemented multiple times and has modules, integration modules that you can simply bolt onto it. And those modules are where the customizations are. That's where all those questions get. And so I'll usually sit down with the operator, the person doing the job, the owner, everybody, because you have to know, first off, how do they do their job? What does the owner want from it? How is it that the current method is not working? 
propose a new method and then kind of run it through the whole beginning to end process with these folks. And it takes time to even get to a point to where we can propose a solution uh, for a customer because you need to make sure you can't get a solution and you get it in front of the operator and they say, I'm sorry, that doesn't work and here's why. And it's because we never sat them down and talked to them. We only talked to the owner and the owner presented this great solution, but it doesn't work in, re in reality. So you have to talk to all spectrums of the business. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And, and this whole custom tailored approach is so important in today's day and age where every company, regardless of whether or not, you know, you've got 10 companies in the same sector, they're all still having little inner workings of their company that are going to be different, you know, from one to the other. So right. let me ask you from a, from a personal, a business satisfaction standpoint, what's it like for you to be able to sit across that table at the end of the day, knowing that you and your team work diligently to build a customized, you know, a software application or, or integrate custom software into their system, streamline their operations, maybe automate some things along the way. What is it like for you to have, you know, clients turn around and event and then give you that, that positive reinforcement and just see that, you know, that smile, you know, more or less light up on their face to see that, Hey, we did solve the issue that we set out to, you know, to initially hit. Very satisfying. It's something that we thoroughly enjoy. And I really like to hear it from the operators uh, as much as I like to hear it from the owners, simply because if we make the operators more efficient, you know, if we take a job that used to take them all morning down to a 15 or 30 minute job, they have got three and a half hours that they don't feel like they are just treading water. So that, mm -hmm. that satisfaction from the employee trickles up to the the owner and vice versa because the, the owner is saving money. They don't have all of right. this payroll expense that they're going through. So mm -hmm. everybody is happy when we are successful because we would never implement a solution that would require more work from the operator. So the operator is always going to be uh, very, very satisfied and the owner is going to be satisfied as a result. So. I love that. Well, Robert, we've covered a lot today. I mean, the differentiating factors, what it is that your business really gets into the weeds of. Is there anything else before we, you know, say goodbye, you know, anything else that we want to leave our audience with that maybe I didn't ask you about ITI Smart Solutions that you might want to share with us today? You have done a great job of asking all the right questions. I think I think I've covered everything I needed to cover. No, I'm just kidding. I think I think you've asked all the right questions. I really don't have anything to add to it, so all righty. Well, hey, Robert, look, I really appreciate your time today. And I'm already looking forward to the next time that we'll have you on and have another conversation to check in on ITI. Looking forward to it. Alrighty, and look, hey, we want to take a moment to thank you, our audience, for tuning into another episode. If you liked what you saw, you liked what you heard today, feel free to like, comment, subscribe, share this information with friends and family. At the end of the day, we're really given a great high-level overview on a lot of different managed service providers, ITI Smart Solutions being the featured managed service provider today. And boy, is Robert, you know, and his team out there in Indianapolis doing a great job of, of integrating custom solutions and really streamlining efforts for their clients as a whole. So for Mr. Robert Cantor, I'm Ryan Ruff saying so long, and we thank you so much for joining us for another edition of MSP Success Spotlight.